Hi, this is Jim Martin. This is my encouragement note, number 68. The list of five. First, the simple act of building another up. My eight-year-old grandson, Lincoln, and I stepped into a Kroger to buy a few items. Lincoln stood in the checkout line holding a package of frozen slice and bake cookies. The one on the picture on the package showed the cookies with the figure of a pumpkin on each one. The self-checkout machine was being monitored by an African-American lady in her 60s. Lincoln showed her the package of cookies. She smiled and said, please let me know if these are good. It was obvious that this momentary interaction with an eight-year-old had brightened her day. Sometimes it doesn't take much. Perhaps the encouragement so many of us need might actually be brief and simple. I came across this wonderful quote from an email from Emanuel Nashville Church. Truett Cathy, founder of Chick-fil-A, was fond of saying, how can you tell if someone needs encouragement? His answer was, they are breathing. The email went on to talk about the importance of encouragement as found in Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Could it be that most every human being needs encouragement in some form? And what if we focus not so much on receiving encouragement this week, but on giving encouragement? Consider the following. You and I can say what is good and helpful to another. Perhaps this alone will brighten someone's day. You and I can refuse negativity. We can refuse to speak words to another that reflects bitterness, rage, and anger. We can avoid speaking harshly to another. The absence of these attitudes might be very refreshing to another. You and I can be kind and gracious to another. Kindness can brighten most anyone's day. Today, so many opportunities seem to be, so many conversations seem to be caustic and harsh. Our words present an opportunity to embody the very life of Jesus into our conversations. I love these final words of encouragement in the email from Emmanuel Nashville. Dear family and friends, let's be grace-giving, hope-building, faith-daring encouragers today. It's not difficult and it costs nothing. Start with one person today. And so today, what is good, what is something good and helpful that might encourage one of your coworkers?
Or what can I say today to a family member or friend that is kind and gracious? Number two, making and keeping friends as grown-ups. Grown-ups or adults certainly need friends. These may be friends we talk with only occasionally. They may be friends we go out to dinner with. These may be friends we've known for many years or only for a short time. As I think about some of our very dear friends, they are in places such as Memphis, Waco, Abilene, Dallas, Florence, Alabama, Searcy, Arkansas, and other locations across the country. These people matter to me. As a young adult, I really underestimated the importance of adult friendships. I don't think I really understood the importance of my own friendships and what they contributed to my life. I eventually realized these friendships were not just enjoyable, but significant for my own well-being. Recently, I read an article, How to Make and Keep Friends in Adulthood, by Katherine Pearson in the New York Times, October 21. She addresses the loneliness that so many of us feel and our longing for friendship. The following are a few takeaways. First, Pearson suggests that you really have to try and put yourself out there for many friendships to happen. Contrast this to the belief that uh, that friendship must always be organic. Rather than putting ourselves out there, some people passively wait for an organic friendship to somehow occur. The research says that those who hold to such a view are often much lonelier. And then she suggests that if you really try to connect with someone, you are less likely to be rejected than you might think. In other words, the probability of rejection is not near as high as some people think. She then says that what when people assume that others like them, they become warmer, friendlier, and more open. We even become more likable. Next, the quality most people value in a friend is ego support. That is, people tend to value someone who makes them feel like they matter. Finally, Pearson believes it's important to communicate to others just how much we like and value them. According to some research, just texting a friend can be more, more meaningful than many of us might think. In the article, she refers to Dr. Marissa Franco, a psychologist who studies friendship. Dr. Franco took a trip in which she tested some assumptions about friendship. Dr. Franco assumed, for instance, that people would like her, and she reminded herself that people in transition, like those who have recently moved, gone through a breakup, or who are traveling, tend to be more open to making new friends. Franco's research is a reminder to consider the various people who are going through some sort of transition. Perhaps you and I could engage someone simply by taking the initiative to be a friend. Sometimes we may become discouraged because we would like to be friends with a particular person, and yet we seem to be making no progress toward that end. Yet friendship can't be imposed or assumed. It is a gift we receive and give. Sometimes from people we expect and sometimes from people we do not expect. Know this, there are people who would love to have a friend like you. 
So today, consider writing a short text to two people who you would like to encourage. If you're not sure what to say, consider this. Quote, I have been thinking about you today and I appreciate our many years of friendship. Thank you for making a positive difference in my life. Close quote. That might be a starter. Or second, show an interest in a few people whom you would like to bless today. You might begin by showing some interest in them, asking something like, what has been the best thing about your day? Number three, put great food in your brain. When I was growing up, eating dinner at our house was a pretty big deal. Dinner always took place at the kitchen table. Typically, my mother cooked a meal that even included dessert. She did, however, get a bit aggravated whenever one of her three children came to the table and said, I'm not hungry. She knew we had eaten so many snacks after school we were no longer hungry. These snacks might have included hot dogs, candy, cookies, leftover dessert from the day before, etc. Some of us seem to fill our minds with brain junk food. This might include some of the following. Negative, unwholesome thoughts that often result in bitterness, rage, anger, and unwholesome talk. Frustration and thoughts surrounding this, which may result in personal attacks, insults, and accusations. And then some of us fill our brains with fear and the what-ifs that often accompany fearful thinking, which may result in depression, anxiety, and sleepless nights. What if instead I focus on the following thoughts? Number one, I might think about how I might speak graciously, Colossians 4, 6. I might consider how I can genuinely show care to another person, 1 Thessalonians 2, 8. I might desire to speak and behave with wisdom and make the most of whatever opportunity might be before me. And finally, what if, what if I were to focus on building another person up? When I look for what is good and right and honorable and positive, I come away with more gratitude and more energy. Number four, if you want to be an excellent minister or any other kind of church leader, and this is a, especially for ministers and church leaders, this particular piece, some of the best ministers I know avoid behaviors that are immature and unchristlike. Any minister who wishes to experience genuine joy and effectiveness in ministry should avoid the following. Number one, avoid immature, irresponsible behavior. When church leaders are irresponsible in what they say or how they act, they are basically wasting their influence and the credibility they might otherwise have. Next, avoid attempting to lead beyond your competence. As a church leader, you can get into trouble by pretending you always know what to do. Others actually put more confidence in us when we, were, when we are willing to grow, learn, and develop. And then avoid using manipulation to get your way. A minister can attempt to manipulate favored elders or groups within a congregation in order to get his way. Some even play upon the good-heartedness of other church leaders by appealing to the old adage, 
quote, it is easier to get forgiveness than get permission, close quote. Resorting to self-serving manipulation is no way to model Christ-like behavior. And then avoid relating to others in a thoughtless and rude manner. Far too many church leaders have made remarks in a moment of anger that were curt and abrupt. Some have even resorted to a cheap laugh at another's expense. Mature ministers will consider whether or not this is how we wish to form and shape the church. You and I are called to do ministry in a manner worthy of our calling. After all, our aim is to please God. And we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 4. We understand our high calling and refuse to resort to any manner that is beneath this calling. And now the challenge. Number one, will I respond to others with mature and responsible behavior instead of immature, irresponsible behavior? Second, will I continue learning, even acknowledging that someone else may know more about the subject than me? Third, will I be straightforward and above board, not resorting to manipulation in order to get my way? And finally, will I relate to others in a genuine, transparent manner when relating to another? On your uh, encouragement note on the uh, text portion, there are there is a list of some interesting articles, uh, a book that I happen to be reading. You, some of that, some of you might be interested in that. I hope you have a great week. If some of this has been particularly helpful to you, I would love to hear from you. My email address is jmartin9669 at gmail.com. I hope you have a great week. Thank you for investing your time.